0: Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I'm an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a
1: writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor.
0: We want to thank each and every listener who's tuning in today. We're always just so glad to have you with us, and we're glad that you decided to hang out with us today. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose?
1: Thankfully, this week has not been super thorny for me. So I think I'll say that I can feel a bit of a thorn vicariously through my husband's work on our condo. Um, so mm. listeners may remember that back in the fall, we had this crazy leak in our bathroom, this shared water pipe up in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And we have finally been able to make additional repairs to like the flooring, the doors and trim, et cetera. And by we, <laughs> I mean, my husband, along with generous help from his dad and brother. So a shout out to them. Very, very grateful. Um, But It is a lot of work though. And I've seen the stress that it can cause on on my husband to manage all those moving pieces and doing the work himself. Hmm. But then my rose was getting to have a lot of fun, getting to know a new coworker with whom I share an office this week. Yeah. I've had the space to myself for a few months, which as an introvert was no problem for me. (laughs) Happy to have my own office, but my new office mate is such a delight. She's truly just a wonderful person. And we've enjoyed chatting and connecting so much over the last week. So that was a lot of fun.
0: That's fun. I love that it's, it kind of feels like a, a little friendship blooming where mm-hmm. you didn't even necessarily need it. You could just, you know, nicely, harmoniously coexist in an office, but it's nice when it's this little gift of, I didn't expect this person to be a friend, but we can be. It's truly really fun. Um, I also had a pretty unthorny week. All things considered, I've been trying to reflect on a real, like true low of my week, but I suppose I'm happy to report that I can't think of one for this week. So I'll just take this blessing and run. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> but as for my rose this week, we had this little corner in our apartment right by two windows that we hadn't quite figured out what to do with yet, but we knew that it was going to be my area because while we both (laughs) share the TV, my husband uses it probably a little bit more than I do for like, he uses it to play playlists or um, sometimes for just like video game purposes, just to kind of take a break between all of his daily work. And so I was excited to figure out what I wanted to do with the unclaimed little corner. And my husband is also more of a Um, he has an easier time working on the couch than I do. I I kind of struggle a little bit. And he's like, no, this is where, this is where it's good for me. So we decided that this little corner could be mine. And I decided that I wanted to get a little desk. So I know it sounds a little bit silly to be excited about a desk, but the thought of decorating my own little corner and working and dreaming and just existing there just brings me a lot of joy. And so I got a little plant for it. And I'm going to get candles and make it into a corner that I just really love to be in. So we're both, we're both very happy about that. (laughs) I'm so glad you got yourself a plant. Yeah. Yeah. It's courage. (laughs) Well, it's not, I hate to say this. It's not real. (laughs) Oh, I'm okay. sorry. If it, if, it, if, it, if it was, I'd say good step, courageous. Thank and it, you.
1: And you know what? It's gonna add to your ambiance all, all the more.
0: It will add to the ambiance. Maybe one day I'll decide I'm ready for a real one. But for now, we're gonna start with just, just a little bit of green, just for the sake of having green. <laughs> you go, girl. All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really, really helps to boost the podcast, get it in front of other people who might enjoy it or connect with the letter that week. And it makes sure to share it with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Or if you are on the Wallflower Journal website, you can go to the podcast tab and submit your letter there. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers a subject of learning how to forgive and forget. Dear Wallflower, I have dealt with some insults in the past from family. I have been called names and insults and been asked rhetorical questions like, what's wrong with you? And it hurts me. While they sometimes apologize afterward and I forgive them, this cycle repeats And it makes me feel trapped. I feel guilty. I've forgiven them, but I cannot forget it. And because of those emotions, I wonder what is wrong with me. In other words, how can I forgive what I cannot forget and move forward when I feel stuck? How can I be more quick to forgive? Signed with hope. All right. I feel like there's so much to pick apart in this letter, Jessica. So what are your initial thoughts here? I agree. There is a lot. So to our dear
1: hopeful writer, I'm terribly sorry that your family has said such hurtful things to you. Contrary to the sticks and stones aphorism, words really can and do hurt. A question like what's wrong with you has immense negative power to shape your own internal dialogue. So it's no wonder that you feel as if something must be wrong with you. Let me assure you that the unkind words of others don't define you. The fact that your family has said such things to you doesn't mean that there is something wrong with you. Again, I'm so sorry that these words have been spoken to you along with the cruelty of insults and name calling. You've been hurt. It is understandable that you cannot forget these things that have been done to you. How how Mm -hmm. could it be easy to forget something that causes pain so deeply? And yet, you say that you have forgiven. This is so good. Truly, it is a beautiful act of grace and of strength that you are able to face those who have hurt you and forgive them for their actions. This is just what ought to be done, and I'm so glad to know that you have done so. However, you admit that you struggle to forgive what you cannot forget and move forward. You share that you feel trapped in a repetitious cycle. You even say that you feel guilty. I imagine that these struggles are shared by other listeners as well. How can we, all of us, be quicker to forgive, especially knowing that even if the wounds heal, they will leave scars? How can we move forward through pain and into a life filled with joy when we feel stuck because of past or even current hurts? Before I hop into giving my points of advice, I want to camp out for a moment on this brief statement of our writers, I feel guilty. I can't help but wonder why she feels guilty. This strikes me as a powerful and kind of odd word to use given her letter. Mm. Does she feel guilty for being who she is? Does this belief that something is wrong with her cause her to feel like her existence is something for which she needs to apologize? While I'm not certain exactly what she means by feeling guilty, I want to encourage her that her existence is not something for which she should feel sorry or guilty. She is not the cause of their insults, their unkind words, or even their thoughts about her. While these actions are probably to some extent taken in reaction to or response to things she has said or done, her family's actions are a result of their own lack of love and maturity. Hmm. Perhaps there's something about her personality or her wiring that causes her family members frustration. Maybe they don't get along super well for any variety of reasons, While some causes may be things that are under our writer's control, such as bothersome or annoying habits, there are also things that are largely out that could be, you know, largely outside of her control, such as a physical or mental
0: disability or a medical condition, or even something that she doesn't necessarily have to change about herself. (laughs) Right? You know, like I think there are personality things that it's like I. Don't like this about someone or they don't like this about me, but neither one of us necessarily has to change that thing,
1: especially when it's between different extremes. like you know, it could yeah. be that one's a very extreme extrovert, one's a very extreme introvert and they don't like it about each yeah, other. But there's it's not nothing wrong. wrong. yeah, exactly. that's such a good point. um and so the point that I want to make here when saying this can't kind of camping out here is that even if there are difficulties between our writer and her family, that might cause them to interact with her in hurtful ways, it is not her fault that they do so. Their cruelty is their responsibility, not hers. Hmm. So I hope that she can let go of any guilt that she may be feeling. I believe it is unfounded. Hmm. So now to move on to my advice. Our writer desires to be quick to forgive and to be able to move forward when she feels stuck, particularly in light of things she has forgiven but cannot forget. So let's start with being quick to forgive. When I think of the notion of being quick to forgive, I immediately think of Jesus and his Mm -hmm. apostles. Uh, I think of the gospels and of the epistles, which make up the New Testament. Thus, I think of those who are intimately close to Jesus, to God, the Father, and to the Holy Spirit. We cannot truly forgive without the work of God in our hearts. Mm -hmm. I believe that even when non-Christians are able to forgive out of love, it's a gracious act of the Holy Spirit in them. I agree. Yeah, Um, we can't do this work on our own. We just can't. So in order to be quick to forgive, we need to be ever in close relationship with our God, the one who offers us forgiveness and through whom we are able to love and forgive others as we have been forgiven. So what does it look like practically? Two primary things come to mind for me. First, be in the word daily. Mm. Steep yourself in biblical reminders of what is both required of us and made possible through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. Perhaps even choose a verse or two to meditate on and internalize. What we fill our minds and hearts with shapes us from the inside out and directs our actions by first shaping our beliefs and values. And I guess kind of maybe a second part of this idea of being in the Word daily and putting good things in our hearts and minds is fill you know, any, any time that you might be listening to music, choose music that would be feeding, you know, your, your, your mind and your heart with thoughts that are of, of God, that are, are, are mm. lovely, that are true, that are delightful, praiseworthy, et cetera, as Philippians says. My second practical point here is pray for your enemies. Mm. While you may not want to term your family members enemies, anyone who has hurt you, falls into the general category of enemy. They have acted contrary to you and your well-being. They have hurt you. Hmm. In praying for them, the Holy Spirit works in your heart a love for them that is supernatural. And I think one of the fruits of that love is forgiveness. So both of these will foster a posture from which it will be natural to forgive quickly and more easily. Next, how do we move forward through pain when feeling stuck. As I've noted in past episodes of our podcast, while hurts may heal, they almost inevitably leave scars. There is memory we cannot forget. But this doesn't mean that we need to be slave to those memories. One thing we can do is to reframe how we think about these past hurts. I would like our writer to consider, what stories are you telling yourself about these past hurts. There's a lot of power in how we view our own choices and agency relative to others whom we cannot control. We have a choice over how we run back over things in our heads in the stories that we tell ourselves. So rather than replaying a story such as, there must be something wrong with me. Instead, you can tell yourself, my family wasn't able to understand or love me properly at that time. Hmm. They said something hurtful, but it wasn't my fault. If they'd understood or chosen to love me anyway, they probably wouldn't have said what they did. This sort of reframing can both remove a heavy burden from your own shoulders and foster compassion in your heart toward those who hurt you.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because I think when we talk about forgiving and forgetting, a lot of times we have this um, image of just completely erasing that wrong and that hurt from our memory as if it never happened and I just don't think it's possible that way okay. and I I agree with your point of I think it's about how you are replaying the memories in your mind and and the, and the kind of narrative that you're allowing these um recurring thoughts and memories and feelings the, the narrative that you're allowing them to build Yeah, so I
1: I would encourage our writer to consider spending some time with this question and writing down in a journal what stories she's been telling herself about these past hurts, and then spend some time crafting new stories, ones of truth that can replace those that have kept you stuck. Additionally, when you consider these scars, let them be a reminder to you of the contrast of how much you are loved and deeply known by the God who formed you in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 is a terrific passage to dwell on for reminding ourselves of the value that we have in our God's eyes. So to our dear writer, I'm grateful that you are hopeful. Indeed, I feel like you're already on a good path. I hope that our words can encourage you to continue to live from a place of love, healing, and continual forgiveness, that putting some of our advice into practice would help you feel lighter, freer, and more alive.
0: Hmm. Well, first, I just want to say that um, my heart goes out to this writer because these are, as Jessica said, incredibly hurtful things to hear, especially from family members, people that we are supposed to be able to trust and allow to be close with us. And while we've all used harsh words ourselves that we regretted, this doesn't change the pain that we feel when they're used against us. And, and again, as Jessica said, the reality is that this, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shall never hurt me, just doesn't ring true. Words do hurt us. They stick with us. We take them on and we carry them as labels and we define ourselves by them. And they don't only affect us personally, they affect our relationship with the person that said them. They mm-hmm. chip away at the trust and the um, familiarity, the, comfort, the comfortability that a close relationship is supposed to offer us. And there's a reason that couples counselors will often draw a boundary around language. They'll say something like, tell your spouse how your actions made you feel or express what you're feeling towards them right now or about this thing right now. But they make a point of telling their clients don't name call, because to call someone names, to insult them so personally is to assassinate their character and to degrade them. Mm. It causes them not to question what, what's wrong with me, but to think, I am bad. I am wrong. The person that I am is wrong. So to answer our writer's first worry, there is nothing wrong with you for struggling to forget these offenses. This is human. So please try not to allow this narrative or that question to continue to ring around in your head, because I don't think this kind of accusatory question of what's wrong with you is serving her. But I want to shift our attention to what our writer says regarding their apologies. Because if I'm completely honest, I question if she's really, really, really been able to forgive her family members. She says that they sometimes apologize. But even so, she finds it difficult to forget it, even though she says that she forgives them. I do think forgiveness is incredibly important. It's something that we've all needed from someone else many times. It's something we do have to learn how to extend. But... There is a difference between learning how to forgive someone who's truly remorseful and trying to forgive someone who has not shown that they are remorseful.
1: Hmm.
0: While we can learn to forgive in spite of another person's attitude, I think it becomes a thousand times more difficult to forgive someone when maybe they don't apologize or their apology doesn't feel genuine because maybe they keep committing the same wrong against you. So while I don't know the specifics of our writer's situation, this could be a reason that she's struggling to truly forgive them and move on Mm -hmm. because she doesn't feel like they're truly sorry. If this resonates with our writer, she might consider broaching this subject with them, not in an accusatory manner, but with a heart that desires to begin to rebuild the relationship and the trust in it. So she might consider telling her family that she's still hurt by their past words, but desires to fully forgive them. She, If she feels able to share this with them, she could tell them how what they said made her feel. And again, not to accuse, but to just let them know that she's still affected very deeply by what they said. Because I think sometimes... We might underestimate how how m- much our words can can really stick with someone. Mm-hmm. They might not totally understand how hurt she is. So this could sound something like when you called me X or said I was Y, it made me feel less than or dumb or worthless or whatever it is that she's feeling. Because her family might not completely understand the weight of their words. They might not understand that they've stuck with her. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think we get into speech
1: patterns and habits and, you know, for n- numerous different reasons, I'm sure. We we learn them from our family of origin. You know, we we watch mm-hmm. television shows and movies and the people we hang out with, et cetera. You know, like something like sarcasm, for example, is something that I grew up with. Yeah. And interruption and different kinds of speech habits and so it might be that insulting and name calling are something that they just, they almost see it as a love language, hmm. but obviously are, I mean, I'm not saying that that's exactly what they, they, they think of It's It's possible. Some people might, might feel that way. And so for our writer though, that's not a love language. She is feeling right. far from love. So I, it's such a good point to, to have the courage and the vulnerability to share. This is really hurting me. Yeah. And I want to be in relationship with you, but this is making it really difficult.
0: Yeah, I, that's a great way of putting it is obviously it's not like a love language in the sense of how we think of it, but mm-hmm. I think it does depend on your, um, your family's dynamics. And if it's totally normal, like there are some families where it's completely normal to say things like, what is wrong with you? And they might not think much of it. You know, that they might not totally understand the weight mm-hmm. and you are allowed to be different from your family in that maybe it affects you more. That's okay. So this is an ideal scenario though, is that she's able to approach them and then they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, oh, my mm-hmm. words, I can't believe I would have hurt you like that. That's an ideal scenario. Our writer might not feel comfortable expressing these hurts or she might not be able to expect a genuine heartfelt apology from them. So, while that's not how it should be, that just might be how it is. The good thing about forgiveness, this is also the hard thing, is that while a sincere apology certainly helps, it's not absolutely necessary in order for us to forgive someone. Mm. But the interesting thing about forgiving someone who hasn't really asked for forgiveness or genuinely asked and and shown remorse is that it feels unjust. It feels unfair, almost like we are excusing their actions, allowing the slate to be totally wiped clean for something that we feel can't be wiped clean and saying, well, okay, I guess it wasn't really all that bad. I, I guess I shouldn't be hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. And we wonder why should I offer someone something that they haven't even asked for? And what if they just hurt me again? But I do think that forgiveness, even when the other person doesn't think that they need it, is absolutely essential to Mm -hmm. our health. So how can I writer, begin to forgive and move forward in in the sense of forgetting the way that Jessica talked about even when the possibility of her family not truly being sorry exists. First, I think it could be good for a writer to try to set a boundary with her family. She might be upfront about how she's willing to be spoken to and how she's not willing to be spoken to. Obviously, it should go without saying that no one desires to be called names, but it can really help sometimes to actually say this boundary out loud. Something along the lines of, I am not interested in being spoken to that way or being called those names. But sadly, boundaries don't always work. The hope is that when we set a boundary and stick to it ourselves, it will be respected. But this is just not always the case. So if this boundary continues to be crossed, how can our writer move forward? our writer can begin to expand her understanding of forgiving and forgetting. So while she might see it as excusing a behavior or pretending that it never happened at all and seeing forgiving and forgetting as a deal that doesn't serve her, that's something that she gets nothing out of, but pain, this understanding of forgiving isn't really helpful to us. Forgiveness and forgetting in the sense of what jessica said earlier is not just for the other person it's for the person doing the forgiving as well it's a recognition that a wrong was done and a choice to not allow our resentment or our anger or our pain to stew and eventually boil over mm. And while forgiveness sometimes feels like it's not doing anything for us, I think challenging ourselves to actually see it as a way of serving ourselves and caring for ourselves will help us learn how to extend it and really kind of fulfill that moving on and forgetting in the sense of these words don't feel true to me anymore the way that they once used to, you know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Further... Our writer can begin to see forgiveness as something that she too has been in need of. It's easier for us to try to forgive someone when we know that we have desperately needed to be forgiven. When we understand that we have also committed sins and been wrong and treated someone else unfairly, it can come more natural or it can Uh, extending grace can come more naturally to us when we remember that someone has had to extend grace to us as well
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but i'll wrap all of this up by saying that forgiveness is incredibly difficult and i don't think you learn how to do it once and then you're perfect at it the rest of your life um I think each new situation that requires forgiveness is kind of going to learn or require a relearning of how do I forgive this specific person, this specific yeah. situation. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think forgiveness is very slippery and it's confusing yeah. and it can feel really unfair at first. And also just impossible if we think of forgiving as well, I guess this has to never hurt me again. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I think, one of the most powerful and loving actions or practices that we can learn. And it's not just essential to the health of our relationships, but to our own health. And if we hope to be in relationship with anybody in in the future, we're going to have to forgive anybody that we are in relationship with at some point or another. So I hope that our writer, despite having, or I'm sorry, finding herself in a difficult situation, I hope that she felt understood today and that she might begin to find her way forward. All right. So it is time for the may we suggest segment of the podcast where we suggest to you the things that we've been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out so jessica what is your suggestion this week i'm going to suggest a cookbook that has been very
1: inspiring to me called the sioux chef's indigenous kitchen that's sioux spelled s-i-o-u-x a native american tribe by sean sherman So it's a beautiful celebration of foods that are native to North America. And honestly, I think it's pretty mind-blowing to find out how much of these ingredients may grow in your own backyard or along the highway near your home or in the fields, through the lakes, and rivers, et cetera. For the vast majority of us who don't forage and get the lion's share of our food from a supermarket... It's a wonderful, eye-opening experience. I just had so much fun flipping through the pages and reading, learning about these different ingredients that maybe I've heard of before, or maybe I've never heard of or seen ever mm. in my life. I'm like, oh, this this is native to North America, and various tribes would have lived on this. You know, as a wow. very large source of their um, nutrition for hundreds of years. So, really, really cool. Um, if you're in the states, it's likely that you'll be able to find this title through your local library. So, give. It'll
0: look. The Sioux Chef's Indigenous Kitchen. That is so fun. I love, I've never heard of this type of um, recipe book. That's very fun. Our suggestions are both in the culinary realm today. Mm. (laughs) So I'm suggesting the habanero hot sauce from Trader Joe's. And I'm just a total hot sauce person. I absolutely love a lot of spice in most of my meals. (laughs) And um, while I've normally used, you know, the the kind of basic ones, Cholula, things like that, Texas Pete is another favorite. Um, as I've been shopping more at Trader Joe's, I decided to try their hot sauce. And let me tell you, a little bit of this stuff goes a very long way. How about your kick? Yes, it does. And and there are actual like seeds in this um, hot sauce as well. So be careful about how much you use. I did put too much once. My mouth was burning for a while. My face started sweating profusely. So it's pretty spicy, very good in moderation. I might put a little bit on eggs or on my chili or taco bowls. So this sauce is just one of my favorite ways to add a little bit of interest to any dish. So if you too are a spicy person, <laughs> check out the Trader Joe's Habanero Hot Sauce. Or if you want to be a spicy person, I'll add in
1: here at the end. I used to be I used to be afraid of Cholula for g- crying out loud,
0: really. And now it
1: now it's like not even hot at all. Yeah, my husband loves hot hot and spicy food, instead of his his dad and his brother. So I have worked up my tolerance as we might say. So just know anyone out there, it's possible. You can become a spicy person if you want to.
0: (laughs) You, you absolutely can. I used to not be much of a spicy person either. And over the last probably five years, I've just become more and more, a little just spice, you know, a lot of days I just, you know, let me put some hot sauce. And now my tolerance is way up. Cholula isn't hot to me either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you know, there are a few things I still won't touch for some reason. Jalapenos, I just—which is so
1: funny—those are can't. way milder than habanero. I don't know what to say. Just, maybe you it's don't like weird.
0: The I just had a really bad experience with a jalapeno once, and it's been a while since I've been able to go back. It's understandable. It's hurt you. You've got to have it, some boundaries. I have to forgive <laughs> and forget, I guess. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you?
1: Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, on Instagram at Jessica
0: J. Schroeder, and check out my new business, Eden and Me, at edenandme.com. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at WallflowerJournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.